Here we are now with additional comments for our series. You are the chosen one. Wow, what a series it was. <laughs> I smile so much when I'm <laughs> thinking about it. I'm still feeling so, so happy. One thing I'll mention is if you've listened to this, please contact me. Andrew Lake Podcast at gmail.com. This is my contact. And if you've listened all the way through, I'd like to hear from you personally. So send me an email. Andrew Lake Podcast at gmail.com. All one word, just spelt the same as it is here for the Andrew Lake Podcast. And my name is Dosta. So say, hello, Dosta, and that will make me happy. I mean, you can call me Andrew as well, but I prefer the name Dosta, as I've explained. So what can we say? Is J.K. Rowling... What, what is she? Like, what is she really? Did she really think this up all by herself? I know some series, some... Follow, uh, what do you call, like, TV shows or movies or things they have writers on a team so it's like a bunch of people writing but did she really think this up all by herself i mean she would have had a team of editors there would have been a bunch of editors and a whole bunch of things that went through it and there's and i, and I mean by the time she got to the fourth book it was it was massive it was just huge and i can't imagine like imagine what would what a head trip it would be to write a book Knowing, like, what does that do to you? Knowing that millions and millions of people are going to read it and, and tens and tens of millions of dollars are going to go into the franchise. Like, what, what a trip. What a trip. Like, what can we say? And by the time she gets to the last book, whoa. I mean, d does she still have creative control at that point? Or is it too much caught up in, like, franchise law? You know, because if it's, if it's a flop, like, if your last book is a flop, well, then now there are franchise investors and there's, there's billions of dollars on the line. There's actually huge amounts at risk in how the last book goes. So I don't know if she still had creative control. It might have been that the last book was written by a team of people. But actually, I think, I mean, it's her name on the book. She's the one that gets the credit. So I assume she had, I mean, what's the alternative? She actually just wrote it. It just came out of her. Like, like it's astonishing to imagine that this story has been inside one person's head. Astonishing. And what would it have felt like to write those last chapters, like what, I imagine she would have been going through something, something very, like she would have been crying, like I was crying. Even just talking about it, I almost cry. She must have been, whoo, she must have been bawling her eyes out. And what a, what a rich inner world she has. I mean, I don't, I don't really know anything about her at all, except that she's very, obviously very wealthy now, and that she's asserted her moral rights 
<laughs> and she's written these seven books. And I know there's actually a, a sequel. There's a stage play, which is Harry's Harry older with his son. He's what he works for the Ministry of Magic, and he's trying to deal with you know his big past of where he was really famous. And well, we can see what's going on there, can't we? Like, imagine being J.K. Rowling's kid. Like, what would that be like? Would it be a curse? The Cursed Child is what that play is called. Imagine that everywhere you go, everywhere you go for your entire life, you will be met with, oh, you're J.K. Rowling's kid. (laughs) I think she does have kids. I don't know how many, and I don't know if they're boys or girls. Easy enough to find out, but what's harder to find out is, well, what's it like to be that kid? What is it like? Well, that's another world. Another world I haven't explored. There's so many. And there's also a lot of, uh, I mean, there's little things like there's the Philosopher's Stone or the Sorcerer's Stone. So what is it called? Is it called the Philosopher's Stone or the Sorcerer's Stone? I think it's depending on which edition that it's published in. And there's a lot of little things like that. And there's also Harry Potter canon. So this is the thing that I keep saying I'm not very good about. Do you know what Harry Potter canon is? This is like, we we talked about this sort of in the episode of The Order of the Phoenix. And we were talking about Pony Club. Like, The Order of the Phoenix deals with collective organizations of humans. And now we actually have Harry Potter canon. So it's like, well, well, canon law usually refers to Catholicism, which is when you have, say, say you have the government and they have their laws. Well, then that's just normal law. But then we have Pony Club and we say, if you want to join Pony Club, you have to wear pink saddles. And that's a law of Pony Club. So that's like Pony Canon, Pony Club Club Canon. But then if we can say, well, no, it's not just a law that we made up for Pony Club, but it's actually based on books and it's actually got some complexities to it and it's got reasoning behind it. And then it's all so tied in with beliefs and how we are as followers. Well, then, then it's a religion. So it's a religious law. And, well, I guess Harry Potter is in some ways a religion, but not in, not in the organized way that Christianity is. And I mean, the, the easier illustration of blurring fiction writing with religion is Scientology. So the founder of Scientology sort of wrote these narratives as, well, we don't know why, I don't know why, but their narrative form, fiction narrative form, like science fiction and fantasy, and yet that was also blurred with, you know, like a personal development or a transcendence practice, practicing transcendence. And there was involved, you know, there's technology as well and there's groupthink and there's leader dynamics and teacher dynamics and it's this huge thing. So if you look at Scientology, well, that's sort of like we take Harry Potter and turn it into a religion and you have religious texts blurring with 
just fantasy entertainment texts. And, well, that's canon law. Harry Potter canon. I'm not very good at it. I'm not very good at my Harry Potter trivia. I know I keep saying that. I mean, I, I guess at this sh- stage I should say I'm a, I'm a, I am a professional. <laughs> I am good at Harry Potter because we've just been talking about it for 18 episodes. <laughs> and then, well, there's also the, there's also the biblical comparison. And that's something we only did a little bit of. Like, can say, like, let's compare Harry Potter to Christianity. And, you know, there is that Corinthians quote in there, which is on the gravestone. That comes from the Bible, a gravestone saying of, uh, what was it? Harry's parents' grave. The last, the last enemy that shall be defeated is death. Corinthians 26, something. Corinthians 11, something like that. So, oh no, Matthew 21 is where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then Corinthians 15, 26, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. So she made some Christian references. And then also we can look at, you know, well, Jesus was born and there was no space for him. So he had to go to the manger and Harry was born and... There was no space for him, so he had to go under the stairs. And, you know, there was this prophecy about the birth and King Herod ordered all the firstborns to be killed so there wouldn't be a king, but that's why Jesus was escaping. But Harry had this prophecy and that's why Voldemort was going around to kill all the people born on that day. And, well, that's just one example of a comparison we can make. And, I mean, I think for many parts of the narrative it would be a bit of a stretch to compare to I mean when you're doing comparative religion with fantasy writing from pre-modern to modern well where where do we begin you know it's like that's huge there's so many different ways and well it comes down to the taste of the person presenting it and I realize that's what we've done here is the comparisons we've made are really just by chance they're really just by what I feel like and what comes to my mind randomly. And, well, that's why it's a unique commentary. You can go and listen to another listen to another Harry Potter commentary and you'll find they'll make totally different comparisons. And they might even say, you know, the comparisons you've made here, Dosta, they're completely wrong. Like there's also the comparison of Star Wars. We didn't talk about Star Wars at all. Like Dumbledore died, and what happens in Star Wars? What happens to Luke Skywalker's master, his old wise man, Obi-Wan Kenobi? Well, he dies. He's killed. And also our central thesis, you are the chosen one. Well, look at that in Star Wars. The chosen one is the dark one. The one that saves the day is the dark one. The one who's filled with the most darkness. The one who's most tortured. Well, that's Anakin Skywalker. The one, so look at look at Anakin Skywalker, who turns into Darth Vader. He's tortured by the loss of the woman that he loves. And he walks around dark and bitter all his life. And then in the end, saves the day. And look at what happened to Snape. 
Snape is the chosen one by this comparison. He's had the loss of his this girl that he likes, and he walks around bitter all day, and in the end, well, he saves the day in a roundabout way. He plays a crucial role. And another thing I wanted to add about Snape is, well, I don't know really how this is going to come out, but you get this sense of this incredible story that only just got told. It could have been forgotten. It could have been lost. And that's a quality which is comparable to you. That's another quality which is in the chosen one, which is what you are. And I hope by now you've seen that Well, all these qualities and all these adventures, they're just the same things as what you live in your life. As you do have to face death. You do have to come to terms with that you have to die. You do have to put on a face in spite of your pains. You do have to come to terms with the power that's given to you and how to use it. You do have to contend with friendship. You do have to live like there's an expanding world. You live in an expanding world. And it might be that you don't always have the right information. You get wrong information. Building a perspective is not as as simple as Just meeting a new world and that's new information. Well, you might have wrong information. And you still have, well, the story of good and evil within you. You still have a journey to go on. There are still prophecies about you. You realize there's prophecies that are made about you? You have an interior complex. You have values, memories emotions, conditionings, dreams. You have a brainstorming of how do we figure out what's going on? How do we put all the pieces of the puzzle together into a worldview? You have interactions with people. You have friends, you have enemies. And your interactions with people, well, they're both decided by and influence your worldview which is tied in with your interior world. So it's all linked. It's all tied together. And we're just swimming through this world. We're swimming through different colors. And sometimes we come up against ourselves and it's very confronting. And electricity from different angles and different shapes and different colors comes shooting out. And someone from the past comes up and they look as real as real. And that's our critical moment. That's where things are coming to a head. That's where we make our deepest lessons. So when I say, you are the chosen one, I hope at this stage, well, that's understood in so many different ways. And it's not a black and white way, it's a very colourful way.
And well, which is my favorite book? I think I think probably The Goblet of Fire is my favorite. Just because it has that showdown and it has well, well for many reasons. I just think it's the best one. I mean, apart from The Deathly Hallows, I mean, The Deathly Hallows is the best one because it's the last one. So it's tying everything together. So if I could I could choose I'd probably have to choose the Deathly Hallows, but the the Deathly Hallows is it, it only works because of the the previous six. It's relying, it's standing on the previous six. Whereas the the Goblet of Fire, it's sort of a it's sort of a step up. It's a real hit in the when 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 considering the order that they were written in and the order in which they came out. So. Yeah, I mean, what else can I say? I like Harry Potter. I hope you've learnt, like, you, you've been sitting here listening to, you know, we, we say some of the narrative and we say this is what it means. So now, hopefully, because we've done that so much, you can infer how to do that with almost anything. And there are there's still a limit to the depth. Like, depth of interpretation is limited by awareness and there are always ever more depths to awareness so it's no by no means a oh here's the text and then here's the answer it's not black and white like i always use this analogy of tapestry so what we're doing here is you know jk rowling has created this tapestry she's woven all these threads together and then what we've sort of done is we've come along and turned it in a patch into a patchwork quilt. You know those patchwork quilts? So you have patches from multiple stories put together. So we're weaving them together. And well, you can say maybe that looks ugly. I hope I haven't I hope I haven't ruined Harry Potter for anything anyone. <laughs> I mean I'm I'm I sort of was getting I was sort of getting to the verge, and I'm seeing it now. I'm getting to the verge of suggesting maybe maybe J.K. Rowling is on drugs. Like, maybe that's where she gets it from. I mean, how else? Where else does it come from? It would make sense. And I, and I don't know the woman. Maybe she, maybe she is openly on, on drugs. I don't know. I, I don't think so, though. I doubt it. It might have been that she had... Well, I don't know. I mean, where does she get it from? Maybe if she listed her influences and then I read those books and those authors, then it would be like, ah, that makes perfect sense. But I'm not well read in the fantasy world or the nonfiction world. Like nonfiction takes up about 2% of my book collection. Like I kid you not, nonfiction and, and that's including literature, like literature. So maybe modern there's no modern fiction in there except well Harry Potter and I didn't even well I didn't even have the Harry Potter books because I thought up the stuff we were going to talk about here while I was reading them at a friend's house and I was on holidays there so I read it and then you know took some notes and so I haven't actually been having the books as we've talked through this and I tried to borrow it off my mum because she has a copy of the set. She said, no, I want it. 
I said, okay, I'll just do it without it. But I mean, I hope, and maybe that's why it's been a bit sloppy in terms of the the facts or the trivia, as we've been calling it. So I hope it hasn't ruined it. I hope it hasn't ruined her. How could you say that about J.K. Rowling? How could you say that about what happens in the Goblet of Fire? <laughs> I guess if it would have ruined anything for anyone, they would have tuned out. So if you've followed this far, thank you very much. It's been a wonderful journey. It's been great. And there will be more series to come. There will be deeper stuff. The next series, well, well, how it is at the moment is we've got two categories of series. Well, sort of three categories categories of series. We either do a series on a text, on a book, or in this case of Harry Potter, it was a series of books. And then we've got a series which is an awareness technique, which is a live demonstrative awareness technique. So, so far we've done the series Speaking in Tongues and Speaking to the Nameless. So if you want to listen to another series by the Andrew Lake podcast, listen to those and always start with the introduction. That's very important. I explain what they are there. And then the third category is the series we did learning to breathe and that's actually explaining the techniques so if you want to know magic if you want to know more about real life magic do you remember when we were talking about mad eye moody and we we did the technique with the eyes of putting the book between the eyes and then the door between the eyes i think that was in episode episode might have been episode number eight it was either seven or eight because that's when Mad-Eye Moody comes into the story. So if you want to know more of those sort of techniques, particularly for breathing techniques, then listen to the series I've done called Learning to Breathe. And there are those sorts of techniques all throughout this whole podcast. They come up again and again and there are meditative techniques and consciousness techniques and perception techniques and all all sorts of stuff there's just such a wealth of information if i can toot my own horn so what else what can we say i think that's that's about it i mean i'm feeling pretty talkative i'm being a bit informal because it's the end of the series and that's okay there's also i i typed in harry potter phd because i wanted to know if anyone's done a phd on harry potter like could you use this as a as a real text, like an actual, you know, like is this in is this in the universities? And Harry Potter, well, there's actually a person called Harry Potter and they're doing their neurobiology PhD. They're doing a PhD in neurobiology and prenatal conditioning. <laughs> it's very, what is that? I don't even know what that is. Very nerdy. But imagine that. Imagine your name's Harry Potter. I'd probably change my name. I mean, I have changed my name. (laughs) Oh, you're Harry Potter. (laughs) I wonder wonder what's worse, is having the name Harry Potter or being J.K. Rowling's kid? (laughs) J.K. Rowling should have named named her kid Harry Potter. (laughs) No, I think think the book was born after the kid was born, so too late for that. (laughs) 
Ah, oh, these are just such silly ideas, aren't they? Okay, well, let's finish it up. I hope you're having a beautiful day. And if you've listened this far, please, like I said before, send me an email. Andrew Lake Podcast. And I hope you... Andrew Lake Podcast at gmail.com. I should stay in the habit of finishing what I'm saying before I go on to the next. It's just that there's so much to say. There's so much to talk about. And also check out, obviously, other parts of the Andrew Lake podcast. There's more to come, even more. There is so much more coming. And it is, there's going to be some really deep stuff coming, like really serious, hardcore. Like, we've, we've been dealing with a children's book. This is just children's play. This is just basic stuff. We're just warming up here. I kid you not, what is coming is going to be monumental in so many ways. So thanks very much. Have a beautiful day. We usually end with silence, so I guess we should sit quietly for a few minutes, but I just feel so happy. I feel so chirpy. I don't want to. (laughs) Okay, this time we're off. This time no silence, no meditation. But in the other episodes, make sure you're doing it. Make sure you're doing your meditation. I will know because I'm Santa Claus. Oh, that's another thing I was going to ask myself. If I was a character in Harry Potter, what would I be? What would you be? I think I'd be Snape. I'd want to be Snape. I mean, I've got a lot of darkness in me. I mean, I'm not bitter towards people. But I mean, I do. Well, I guess I do sort of have this girl that I used to love but can't anymore but geez, that's a bit sad to bring that up maybe I am Snape maybe I do and I and I also have this huge story that hasn't been told it just comes out in a single tear yeah I think I would be Snape I can really relate to Snape I mean I, I, I sort of wish I could be Dumbledore because he's cool but I'm not old enough and I'm not wise enough. I mean, I'd like to be wise enough. But Dumbledore's pretty cool. I definitely couldn't be Harry Potter. I wouldn't be Harry Potter, no. And then, actually, there's one more thing I wanted to say, which was this this thing of Ron and Hermione. What's going on there? I mean, are they meant to be together? I don't know if it sits right with me. I mean, the... The actor, in the movies, it doesn't quite sit right with me. Like the movie of Rupert Grint and Emma Watson, I look at that and I just think, no, there's something not right there. And then in the book, well, the book's a little bit different because the characters are, we have a different experience of them. But there it's less, like I have less uneasiness about them being together. And I think, was it really necessary? Like, was that romance really necessary? I don't know. I don't know what the statement is there. Maybe that's just showing too much of my own insecurities about romance at this time. Maybe not. Okay, I've definitely harped on too long now. So thank you very much. Have a beautiful day. And you are the chosen one.
done. Finished and polished. What a series. What a series. It is finished.